1: i <laughs> horror flicks, hot chicks, and sci-fi
2: book
3: pics. Say what pisses you off, tell us a joke about dicks. In the mix, you got the desk are telling you where it's at. Steven Gord, oh my lord, bowing down to Bone Bat. Podcasting your asses in nerdy, massive classes. Speak the speak of the geek to all the internet masses. Take your glasses off the
4: set on dropping bombs on your dome. In your home, pull your bootstraps up, it's time to burn chrome. Dirty jokes
5: from the nerdy blokes, chewing on them Kirby loads of that quirky counterculture wrapped up in their wordy show. B-movie, holy men, wombat, metalhead, Politics, amen, independent artist
1: friend, Renaissance casters of the full fan spectrum, nonchalant notables break through the bedlam of bullshit, quick wit, hits of the populace, Vulcan with some Romulus, Rolling Prime like Optimus. Oh time What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 164 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. This is Gord. How's it going, man? How much weed did you smoke before this show started? None. (laughs) My God. I'm just high on film festival fumes.
2: Fans at home may not realize this, but we've had about 28 false starts in the show where Steve can't remember his name.
1: It's weird because we just did one like two weeks ago.
2: I know, which is weird because we usually go at least three weeks between shows. At least. Sometimes I'm... a month or two.
1: <laughs> sometimes a while. Sometimes longer.
2: Yeah. Boof. But yeah, like you said, you've been doing this. You've been you've been like getting ready for this. You are in show mode. It is the final show before our film festival.
0: Man. Yeah,
2: so this we're doing show film, stuff.
1: Film festival preview episode. Yeah. Got a lot of exciting stuff uh, we've got interviews with our feature directors as we have always done so we've got an interview with uh, double dates benjamin barfoot and from another wolf cop Lowell dean this is the first time we've had a director return for a second film a second feature film i should say to the bone bat film festival that's pretty cool huh
2: Yeah, he's the boomerang of directors here.
1: That's right. And uh, then we have a second Double Date interview with the writer and lead actor who plays Jim in Double Date, Danny Morgan. So a lot of great listening for you coming up, as well as an interview with our musical guest, Devilwood.
6: Devilwood.
1: And additionally, we're going to have a bunch of great music throughout the show. We kick things off with Chaser from Shooting Guns out of Canada. They are the official band of the Wolf Cop soundtrack, uh, both soundtrack one and two. And we're going to have uh, more from them as the show goes on, as well as a lot of other great music from this year's fest. It's going to be exciting. So are we going to light this candle? Are we going to get this show on the road? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, the first thing we well, that, usually do on this show, Gord.
2: Yes, Steve.
1: What pisses you off, man?
2: Funny you should mention that, Steve, because for about a year I've been looking forward to tonight, this very time, this very moment in time. And not because I was going to be recording the podcast. No, it's because <laughs> right now Legion is on. Episode 1, Season 2, and I have been so psyched about this show starting up again. It is so weird. It is so cool. And you're making me miss it. And that (laughs) pisses me off. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, Gord, you can see it tomorrow night. No, Gord cannot see it tomorrow night. Gord is busy doing dad stuff tomorrow night. You have wrecked everything, Steve, and it pisses me off. I want to watch Legion.
1: I'm really sorry about that, man. But you know what? The show is going to be just as incomprehensible when you finally get to it.
2: That's true. I won't understand it until the very end. Wait, are we talking about Legion or this podcast?
1: <laughs> Legion. I still don't oh. know. When you When you talked about that, you're like, yeah, I can't wait to see Legion. I'm like trying to rack my brains. What even happened last season? I don't know. It was a fever dream.
2: <laughs> I like the 15 minutes of silence that they did. That was cool. Maybe we should try that on this show.
1: <laughs> I don't think that would play well.
2: Maybe not so much on just an audio podcast. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I don't think.
2: What about you, Steve? What pisses you off? Fuck, I got nothing. Fuck. What pisses me off? How about the way you couldn't start the show?
1: Oh, So, dude, I can tell you what pisses me off. I was going to say,
2: really? Nothing pisses you off? Tell me. Tell me about your car.
1: I got rear-ended again.
2: Yeah, and not in the fun way. God damn it. I'm pissed off for you.
1: And, like, It was a twenty-year-old girl with a learner's permit.
2: What's a twenty-year-old girl doing
1: with a learner's permit anyway? How do you even get pissed? She was so sad and so sorry, and it's just like, yeah. Can I get your insurance stuff? In Washington, do they have learner's permits for adults? Right. All right. (laughs) It was just sad. It was a sad experience, and it's not satisfying to repeatedly keep. And I mean, stop and go traffic at rush hour. I got over in the lane to get on the freeway. I scooted up. There was like four cars in front of me, and you know, you kind of scoot up a little bit. You, you maybe go just a little hair too fast. And the guy throws his brake lights on in front of you, and so you hit the brakes, and then pow. Then I got hit in the back. And he's like, "God damn it!" I mean, I I was far enough in front of the guy in front of me that I didn't hit him.
2: That's, you're learning, I guess. No. You got a much healthier attitude towards this
1: one just yeah but it's like sad resignation it's not a useful emotion in any way it's just the world's sad uh-huh.
2: when are you gonna just start buying a series of disposable cars and i mean like heavy duty american steel <laughs> like, maybe last for a year
1: uh, i'm glad you said american steel i was thinking that you meant like the automobile a version of one of those turkey trays
2: <laughs> no no That's not at all what I mean.
1: Aluminum foil. You need
2: protection. (laughs) You need, like, heavy-duty Galaxy 5000 surrounding you. And when someone just smashes into it, tough luck for them. Oh, your car's totaled more than $68 of damage. Go buy a new one.
1: And somebody was just telling me, too, hey, you know, uh, ride your bike to work day is coming up, Steve. I'm like, fuck, are you kidding me? (laughs) You'd be killed. I'd be dead like three times over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah don't do that until after the
2: film fest. No, that'd... oh god,
1: <laughs> that'd be a yeah, mess. Yeah, even in
2: a smart car, it'd probably mess you up.
1: Yeah, all over the freeway, it would be a mess. Nobody wants that.
2: God damn. It. No, but way too much paperwork. But it, your car is not totaled this time. No,
1: no, no. It was like 20, that's new twenty eight hundred dollars worth of damage to the bumper, all none of which I need to pay because it was all somebody else's fault. <laughs> Jesus. No, well, that's
2: good. And they're insured this time.
1: Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> I'll have to take my car in for a week, though, and get around. Oh, yeah. Still a giant pain. All that pain. total headache. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, I'm really looking forward to the film festival. Because the way the world is right now, the world needs more horror comedy.
2: It does. That's the way I look at it. Because the world is full of horror comedy. We want. The stuff that's just fake, not the real.
1: On that note, tickets are still available for the 8th Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, which will take place on April 14th, 2018 at SIF Uptown Cinema in Seattle, Washington. It's going to start at 1 p.m. sharp, so don't be late.
2: Or be late. We don't care. We'll have your money.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we listen to a tune? All right, let's do it. Let's uh, check out a little something from the Wolf Cop soundtrack. Once again, from Shooting Guns, this is Beef Baron. Than
7: it
5: can
3: handle.
7: Think we'll see any action tonight? Oh, Scott, you need to learn. In this job, it's not about looking for action, it's about preventing it.
3: Merry Christmas!
0: More violence. More sex. Is that my sister? (laughs) More liquor. More explosions. More donuts. More hair. More hockey.
1: You're a wolf. Oh, but I think you're missing the bigger issue here, though.
5: That's where right, I can see him!
1: Did we mention chicken milk? Slam
2: a cold cop. What do you know about shapeshifters? Reptilioid dudes, man. It smells like old people.
0: Chef More blood.
1: Damn it, Daisy. Did we mention explosions?
0: Now,
6: More than ever, Woodhaven needs dirtier, hairier.
0: Another Wolf Cop. Someone stole our donuts. Brought to you by Liquor Donuts and Wolf Cop Lager. Brewed Angry.
1: All right, we are back. And joining me now, I am thrilled to say, is the first ever two time director to be selected for the Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Fest, Lowell Dean of Another Wolf Cop. How you doing, man?
8: Great. What an honor. Thank you. I
1: know, right? It's the very first time it's happened, and we're thrilled at you, man.
8: That's amazing. I uh, I wish I could have come out for the first one. I, I, I heard only good things.
1: Yeah, you had a great team there. Everybody was having a great time. Our audience loved it. So when we last left you, we interviewed you on the show, and we were talking about how you had finished Wolf Cop. You had been working on a script, but you were kind of cagey about it. The Wolf Cop Mobile was parked in Leo's backyard, and then we saw the Indiegogo. And a couple of our audience members actually backed and were in another Wolf Cop, which I think is tremendously cool.
8: That is really cool. I mean, it's uh, it's such a weird ask on an Indiegogo because it's like, you know, especially on a lower budget film, when we're doing Wolf Cop, it's not like, hey, come out to Los Angeles. It's like, come (laughs) to Regina or actually Lumsden, Saskatchewan, (laughs) which is a very small town and come hang out in a hockey rink. So, right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, on what you're into.
1: <laughs> but our audience was up for it, and it feels pretty cool to be able to bring the movie back to Seattle as a little bit of a homecoming for those audience members who were there. I'm really excited to see it in front of that audience. It's going to be a super good time. I bet. So why don't you tell our audience, uh, give them a little synopsis of uh, what Wolf Cop is up to in this film.
8: Sure. So uh, Wolf Cop... Two, as we called it when we shot it but now another Wolf Cop is basically it's a few months later after the events of the first film and um, you know as you might expect if you're someone like Lou Guru who's like this sad sack loser cop who suddenly has this amazing gift of powers uh, he's going to be using it and uh, I like to think of Wolf Cop as kind of the anti Spider-Man where he's got great powers and no responsibility and I think <laughs> this film is kind of Uh, In a a nutshell to me, this film is Wolf Cop realizing that, yes, he may be amazing, he may have these teeth and claws and the ability to rip someone's face off, but um, he's still a cop and, and he needs his team to back him up.
1: That's right. It's uh, it was really fun to see the team together again. Willie, his sidekick from the first film, who is an absolute blast, and uh, Tina, of course, who you couldn't have a film without her. She's fantastic. It was great to see that team all together in one place again, having another adventure.
8: Well, that's what made me want to do the sequel more than anything. Is to me, it's uh, the people you mentioned that Trinity or that trilogy. Those are the people who I think are the the backbone of, of the franchise and. Uh, To I mean, even though I had written it, I was just as excited (laughs) as anybody to see Willie and Tina and Lou together. And I even said to the actors, I mean, I like you guys and you're my friends, but I I really want to see Willie and Tina and Lou. So let's get into it.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So your first film, you had spent a lot of time kind of setting things up and you probably learned a lot. How did your approach to directing the second film differ from Wolf Cop?
8: Well, I think, I mean, ignorance is bliss. And I think the first film, it felt ambitious at the time because we had very little money Mm -hmm. and 17 days to shoot it in so in prep on this film we're like it's got to be bigger it's got to be better it's got to be everything right it's got to be funnier darker weirder and uh i had a very long list of what i wanted to do and then reality kind of crept in and it was once again a 17 day shoot so (laughs) uh, but we still had that insane push to make it you know we all everybody the cool thing was so much of the team was the same from the first film and okay, it's a cool. very rare gift where you get to make something see how the world reacts and get a almost a do-over i mean that said i hate sequels that just repeat the plot of the first one i had no desire for that sure but i definitely that. thought like anything we're doing again let's do bigger better badder weirder
1: absolutely Speaking of which, it wouldn't be a Wolf Cop film without an outrageous, preposterous, lycanthrope sex scene. And once again, you deliver in this film.
8: Yeah, the, the sex scene was, what I find so funny is uh, the, the two years leading up to making Wolf Cop, when I was trying to get it made, the biggest roadblocks I found were where people kept saying, Wow, do you really have to, you know, the transformation? do you really have to show a werewolf penis? and why in the sex scene is is there a werewolf and a woman? That's bestiality? They're like, can it be can he be human when they have the sex scene, or can she be a werewolf, even though it makes no sense? I was like, no, that's why it's awesome.
1: And uh, exactly so what
8: i what I find funny is for the second go round, the things that I had to fight for or convince people on, were the uh were the things that they you know now everybody wanted to do so it was kind of funny but obviously you have to do it better right so
0: absolutely uh,
8: yeah there's a lot of discussion and a lot of ideas thrown around but ultimately we settled on um this time he would be a human and uh he would have sex with a, a cat
1: yes it, indeed and uh our audience is going to i think really enjoy it it's a great scene Here's hoping. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, we'll have a few beers in them. That's the good thing. It's a Wolf Cop film, so you got to do that. Exactly. Yeah, right. One other thing that, obviously, that you had to bring into a film, being a Canadian feature, is to have an awesome hockey fight. And with Wolf Cop in it, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Was that fun to do?
8: It was fun to do, but it was also, like, really weirdly challenging because, uh, believe it or not it was really hard to get rink time we shot this in February and uh, Saskatchewan's a, a big hockey province so we oh, ended so up right shooting. In the, middle
1: of the season yeah
8: well yeah we're in peak hockey season and on top of that we ended up the, the time we got rink time was actually like 3 a.m so uh, everybody's kind of grumpy it's three in the morning we' we're, we're an hour out of town in this small town rink and uh, Leo was probably having the most fun because he's actually a really good skater so he loved just skating around <laughs> as a werewolf <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's some great stuff now i kind of feel like i need a dark stars hockey jersey are you guys ever going to sell those because that is a fantastic design
8: i agree i hope they do the design was done by this uh awesome graphic artist named maurice roy and he had been with us since uh, actually i met him after the first wolf cop and he was a, a big fan of the film and he said i'm coming to work on this film no matter what and uh, <laughs> And he brought his passion for Wolf Cop and his cleverness. And yeah, like I, when I saw that jersey, I was like, we've got to make these. And oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
8: I hope. I, I think if people are vocal enough, maybe uh, the the producers will find a way to make it happen.
1: Well, I have my liquor and donut shirt, so I've got that. But uh, this would just be the icing on the cake, I think.
8: I agree, selfishly. I mean, the liquor <laughs> donut shirts are half my wardrobe, so I need more. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, man. Well, uh, the one question that my co-host, Gord, wanted me to ask you is, when's Wolf Cop 3 coming?
8: That is a great question, and I have no idea. I mean, uh, getting one made was a miracle, and, and uh, <laughs> the fact that we even got a second one, I, I'm still kind of, uh, I guess, in denial <laughs> that we did it. Uh, but every now and then someone asks me about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we made two Wolf Cops. So um, I would love to do a third one. Um, I think we're in a kind of a, a holding pattern now where – The second one, you know, we had a very limited release. We have to wait and see how it does on like VOD or whatever uh, online platform and DVD they put it out on. So um, I'm hoping that if there's enough of a support for the sequel and the first two together, um, that maybe we'll get lucky enough to make a third. God knows I've got ideas.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, I, I would love to see whatever you've got next, man. Are you working on any other projects right now?
8: Actually yeah, I just completed a uh, a pretty different kind of film called Supergrid. One of the producers of Wolf Cop, uh, Hugh Patterson, who's another Saskatchewan guy and he'd been developing this for a few years and on and off between the Wolf Cop films, he would always say, "I've got this other thing I want you to do." And uh I was always like sure, sure. But uh <laughs> it actually came to fruition, which is always very rare uh, uh you know when you're talking about a even a million dollar film and Uh, sure enough, last summer he said, I've got the financing, let's rock and roll and go make this. So I spent my last summer doing a post-apocalyptic action film in Saskatchewan. That's kind of like a, a weird future Western. So I, I think, I hope people dig it. It's not as silly as Wolf Cop, but if you are a Wolf Cop fan, a lot of the key cast actually came back because when you're making a $1 million film, you surround yourself with friends, you know, in front of and behind the screen.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so when is this film coming out?
8: I have no idea. We we literally just—I'm uh, I- talking hours ago—finished <laughs> locking the picture. So
1: oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
8: It, yeah. It's got like over 200 VFX shots, and you know, did the color timing, sound mixing, and score. So uh, I'm just kind of now lifting my head up out of the water and be like, wait, what are we doing with this film? So <laughs> uh, I'm sure we're gonna next push to try and get it into some festivals and uh, hopefully slowly introduce it to the world.
1: Fantastic. Well, keep us in the loop, because we'll uh, definitely help you get the word out.
8: I appreciate it. I definitely will.
1: All right. So, uh, you know, the last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bad Show, man, what pisses you off?
8: I think right now what pisses me off is how hard it is to get Canadian films made. Yeah? You know, I would would love nothing more than to be diving into uh, Wolf Cop 3 or a couple of the other films I have, but it seems like... It's such a hard road to get an indie film made, and I thought it would get easier, but damn it, everyone takes so much work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. But it's interesting, because we've had probably, this is maybe the fourth Canadian film that we've played in our film festival, so you guys are a great hotbed for independent horror and comedy horror.
8: I agree. I think Canadians are pretty messed up.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show and for sharing another Wolf Prop with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to see this in front of a live audience.
8: Thank you. Thank you very much for all the support you guys have given our our two little movies now, and uh, hopefully we'll be back again. This is Lowell Dean, director of Wolf Cop and Another Wolf Cop. You're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Let's get dirty and hairy.
1: Say, friends, do you like delicious piping hot pizza? Do you like to put that pizza in your mouth? Do you like to put that pizza in your mouth in a shrine to science fiction? Of course you do. Who doesn't? Then you would enjoy flying saucer pizza in Redmond, Washington. They have a delicious selection of pies, draft beer, and amazing desserts. What's not to love? So check them out over on Willow's Road, flying saucer pizza.
2: In Redmond, Washington, more fun than being abducted by aliens. How you come to be a
7: witch. How
3: you come to be a witch, you go on the top of a mountain, Before sunrise and as the sun comes up, you turn your face to the sun and cuss God and give yourself over to the devil.
0: On a step in disguise, we burned a witch on the mountainside.
1: we are back and uh first off there we played shoot the moon from shooting guns which is taken from the brand new another wolf cop soundtrack and following that from osmanthus americanus the debut album from devilwood that was brock and bride joining us now on the show joey and bill from devilwood how you doing gentlemen
3: excellent good man
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the show here, uh, only a week away from the big festival. We're really excited to have you guys.
3: Oh, man, that sounds so much fun. I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm stoked. We've, we've actually never played an official film
5: festival before, so it's, it's a big yeah. deal for us. That'll be a lot of fun.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what you do in the band?
3: I'm Joey. I, uh, I play the drums and various percussion and percussive devices. He does. I'm Bill, and I play guitar,
5: and sometimes I sing. Beautiful.
1: So what do you guys have yeah. lined up for the uh, fest? I understand you've been cooking up some new tunes.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, we we just about put the, put the finishing touches on everything. Um, we went over to Ellensburg, where Bill lives, and um, just did a, a ridiculous amount of percussion and then some overdubs and solos and stuff like that, so... Oh wow. It's so you're uh, yeah. close. Yeah, I'm
5: excited.
0: Yeah.
5: yeah. record is just about finished. Um, we mostly got it all pretty much recorded. We just got to mix it and master this damn thing and then and then uh, yeah, bit,
3: and then who knows. I like two 10, years the making. So it's about time.
0: Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah.
1: How many how many new songs do you guys have?
3: Uh I think I think like what? like 12. 10 or 12? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Something like that I don't know. <laughs> To see in front of (laughs) me, yeah, Yeah, we'll be playing a lot from it for sure. And, um, we're hoping to have it out probably in the fall sometime, okay? Yeah, we're trying to find a record label or seeing if somebody will, um, you know, give us some money for it. Yeah, if anyone
5: anyone listening has any money,
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we would love it. That would be great, (laughs) fantastic. Uh, So, that's why we got into this after all, is the money
1: right yeah yeah the sex the drugs the money all the usual of reasons of course yeah
3: naturally But <laughs> <Where> does
5: anybody <laughs> the sex and the drugs are free but the money's expensive that's the hard part yeah, yeah.
3: that's a pretty it's tough
1: so how is the new stuff different from osmanthus americanus
3: well so before we had um another uh, acoustic guitar in the band and then an upright bass as well and this one we just we just went all electric, pretty much. Oh, we okay. um, we're down to four people instead of five, and so um, yeah, it's it's a little heavier, I think. More yeah, I
5: think it's definitely yeah, it's definitely more psychedelic, I think, in a little. And what, like what Joey said, it's just um, once we kind of um, shedded our acoustic guitar guitarings in the band, then it, things just kind of got more potent and just kind of got heavier it just kind of um magnified what we already were kind of um at our core which is kind of you know a lot of riffs it's really melodic but it's really it's a lot of riffs and stuff so it it just is it's a lot more big drum and big guitar kind of stuff um yeah yeah we kind of
3: had this you know uh rockabilly surf thing before that was really fun and and then kind of Constantly kind of having to think about, well, we got an acoustic in it upright. I guess we got to do some kind of bluegrassy feel or something. And so, kind of once we transitioned, it just kind of turned into a rock band, which oh, I think is what we all wanted, anyways, you know, just <laughs> some fucking rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with an evolution to something a little more heavy. I'm a big fan of heavy music. So, uh, I'm really looking oh, forward yeah. to hearing the new stuff, gentlemen. Oh, we're excited. Yeah, right? man.
3: This is going to be fun.
1: Fantastic. So, what can our audience look forward to?
3: Just loud ass music. <laughs> just good. Yeah. Um, great harmonies, great solos. I just feel like we're really tight. You know, we just have been playing together for so long. It just feels really good. So, totally nice. No. I think a lot of where we're coming from,
5: too, is it's just, it's supposed to be sexy and scary kind of at the same time um, yeah. in a certain way. So, I think everyone at the festival will, will enjoy that and it'll, It'll tie the whole room together if you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> I, I think our spirit too, animal
3: is a witch. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely witchy probably, stuff. Um, fantastic! So, well, hail we're really Satan. looking forward to it. Awesome, we're pumped, man. All right. Well,
1: one last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show, gentlemen. What pisses you
3: off? Oh, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! Republicans. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, uh I think uh hair on the soap. Hair on the soap. Oh. Yeah. That's kind yeah, of that universal, body isn't it?
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, body wash. That's the that's, that's the solution, I guess.
1: Hair on the body wash? What?
5: No. Oh, what <laughs> Joey's in, C- Joey's in yeah. Seattle. Joey's in Seattle. They're way ahead out there. Yeah. They've been yeah. using the body wash for years out there and yeah. um, you know, nice I just today, uh, in fact
0: <laughs> oh my yeah, god
1: seattle's definitely body wash country yeah, yeah
5: for sure.
1: <laughs> all right guys well thank you again for joining us on the show and we will see you in one week
3: awesome yeah. thanks again man
1: you bet thank yeah you. totally
5: we'll see you there man
0: And stones.
3: I'm Joey, and I'm Bill, and we're Devilwood, and you're and you're to listening the to show. the Bone Bat Show. Ah, shit.
4: Maybe it's just not meant to happen. I've tried everything.
0: Am I sexy?
4: Of course you are. Yes, I
0: am.
4: Jesus, Jennifer. I even went on this dating website specifically for virgins, and I got one response from a 12-year-old Chinese boy. You turn 30 on Sunday, don't you? Right, well, I promise you now. You're gonna lose your virginity before you're 30. This is my present to you, my brother. This has got to work fast. I don't
0: think, act, off your
4: Would you like to go out for a fuck time in lotion? Oh, shit. Fun, <laughs> sorry. Fun time in London.
7: Yeah, we'd
4: love to, wouldn't we? Yeah. You'd love... what?
6: Ward Absolutely not.
3: Oh! Syringe. Chloroform. Knife. Let's do this.
0: Ladies!
4: So your are uh, sisters then? Yeah. Cool cool i think i'm having a panic attack all right it just doesn't make any sense does it why would these two beautiful girls just turn up out of the blue and be interested in us
0: what if we let them go
2: She gym's really nice is different from the others you are doing it
0: tonight come <laughs> I've a fucking minute. What? Beat the girl! Beat strippers. girl!
4: Beat you girl! Beat
0: the girl! Beat
1: Alright, we are back, and joining me now on the show, I'm thrilled to say, is the director of Double Date, Benjamin Barfoot. How you doing, man?
6: I'm good. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us on the show.
6: No, thank you so much for showing our film. I'm super chuffed.
1: Of course, here on the Bone Bat Show, we're a huge comic book fans, so we love a good origin story. How did the Double Date project come together?
6: Well, I mean, it's a pretty simple story, really. I think Danny... Was having a lot of trouble uh, getting together with women, or was maybe pretty terrified of women in his <laughs> late twenties, which he'll probably tell you about himself. So it's and, very and
1: he, autobiographical, then, as you're saying.
6: Yeah. A, well, I mean, he's not a virgin. Well, at least I don't think. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's certainly. I think he had a lot of fear of women, and he's a very. If you know Danny personally, he's a very, very. He's very sweet, very lovable, great character, really funny. Um, and means well, and and so I think maybe I mean we've all been through this. I've been through this, you know. Kind of women can be quite scary when trying to approach them. So I think he just had an idea that was born out of that, and the idea of being on the one night where you know he kind of conquered his fear. He would genuinely genuinely have something to be scared of, and I think that was a very early concept, and then. He it kind of blossomed from there, and, and and to be honest, I kind of came onto it almost. It had been running for three or four years before I came onto it. You know, he had written it, he had had other people sort of helping him with him, you know, back and forth, looking at the script, and then a producer came on, and finally, you know, I got involved, really.
1: So, once you were on the project, uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed, uh, including Danny and in the cast, is the cast is a lot of fun to spend time with. Had you worked with some of those actors before?
6: Well, I mean, I've worked with Danny for ten years or so, so I have a very strong working relationship with him, and that was the thing that this is my first feature, so I had really just been making a lot of, you know, kind of really stupid shorts with Danny, not really knowing what I was doing or where I was going with it all, just knowing that I liked working with him and that I was having a lot of fun. And that's how I eventually came on to this project was mm. that those shorts and those bits and pieces that I was making was seen by the producer who had optioned his film script. And so amazingly, I got this million dollar feature film off the back of just these tiny little DSLR shorts <laughs> that I had been putting up online and didn't realize that actually the right people were watching them. And that was the main thing. Not many people saw them, but the right people saw them. But then, So by the time I then got put onto this project, I was pretty much thrust from... Essentially, really only working with this guy, Danny, my mate, and and sort of having building up a lot of trust, and and still not really knowing what I was doing with him. We were just kind of doing it together. To being given this cast, we met Kelly Wenham, who plays Kitty. Uh, Danny met her in a read through, and then sort of we did a casting, and she was by far the best in this this kind of audition out of all the girls that that you know um, auditioned for the part.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And then we had, I think. We had like a month to go. The film was in production and was going. You know, it was in pre-production. It was about to shoot in about three or four weeks, and really, we still didn't have uh, Lulu, and we still didn't have Alex, which is so oh, Georgia wow. Blue. Yeah, so it's like I think it was two or three weeks to go, and basically, we had another guy. So we had this other guy called uh, who's one of Danny's mate called Danny Lauren- Lawrence Taylor who was a completely sort of different character. He was this kind of a six-foot-two black guy, kind of very, you know, sort of London cool bloke. And he pulled out a month uh, before we were going to go. So And then suddenly we moved this character to this kind of, you know, five-foot-seven white guy from <laughs> up north in the UK. And, yeah, Georgia Groom was... Um, I mean, she's just very super smart, you know, really nice girl, and very, very easy to work with. and Michael Soccer the same as well, but more so with Michael Socer, that you know what you see in the film that is literally Michael Socer offset. I mean, that is just <laughs> that's just him and how he is. um and so I especially find with comedy to be honest, the best thing I can do, and I think with actors really, is just kind of stand away from them and kind of let them do their thing and offer a bit of guidance when they need it. Right. But really, ultimately, you want them to kind of find their own characters. So before this, you know, it was, yeah, just working with Danny and then suddenly being given all these actors who I was like, okay, I don't really fully know what I'm doing, so I'm going to try and let you go and find your characters yourself.
1: Well, I love the fact that you sort of, Came to this out of working in shorts, because I I think that is the dream of a lot of the filmmakers that end up doing something for the Bone Bat Film Festival. Is they make a couple of shorts and they're always hoping to have that opportunity to do a feature down the road. So that's really cool. I had did not realize that.
6: Yeah, I mean it's been a a crazy experience. I mean I sort of made it. I think I was thirty eight when we were shooting. Uh huh. And. You know, I've been making stuff since, well, since I was a little kid. And I did find for a good 20 years, really, of my career, I suppose, to sort of really seriously being in my late teens into my 20s, getting a job, all that sort of stuff. You know, I worked as a professional editor. I did animation and graphic design as well, was writing stuff. up, But I was always making shorts, but the doors were just shut. They were just shut, 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 to the point that I couldn't really get a corporate to direct. No one was interested in me for music videos, no one was really, uh, you know, honestly, really interested in, in me in any way at all. And I was kind of getting quite lost with it all. And all I knew to do was just going, was really that I just love making them. So at least, and I kind of made up in my mind that I was like, well, if I love making things, then maybe that's going to have to be enough. And maybe that's just going to be what it is in life. And at least I can be happy with that. But then suddenly,
0: Absolutely,
6: yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly, it was just like the doors just went bang and flung open. Or I always say to some people, that it was like it was like chipping away at a tunnel when you're trying to carve your way into this tunnel. You're trying to get yourself in, and then suddenly I just hit once, and I pulled away this massive chunk, and it broke open. And I was like, oh my god, how long have I been doing this for? <laughs> and I totally didn't think that it was going to happen on this one. You know, I right, yeah. do. You know what I mean? It, it's suddenly a surprise for me. So. Yeah, I mean, if anyone, for you know, other filmmakers doing stuff, I mean, really, all you can do is just keep going, keep going, keep going. And it could be the next one. You just don't know, you know, because that's how it was for me.
1: Fantastic. So back to the acting side, uh, an actor I've really enjoyed since I saw uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was a character of Soap portrayed by Dexter Fletcher. It was really cool that you got him in the film. What was it like working with Dexter?
6: Yeah, he's great. I mean, obviously, he's a very successful film director now. So in that sense, you know, him coming on set, I kind of knew that he he was very much regarded now as a, as a director. And I was going to work with him as an actor. And that is kind of, you know, like you were saying earlier, how was it working with certain cast people? I mean, I suppose that was probably the most daunting in that he a guy who... You know, you guys in the States probably know him from Lockstock, but here in the UK, we know him from something called Press Gang, which goes back to when we were like, you know, in our early teens. And that's what he started out as. And Dexter, to us, is a bit more of a British, you know, institution. Like, we kind of just have known him for years, being on the telly and being in films. And so to suddenly walk into a green room and there's Dexter Fletcher sat there and you know that this guy's like, A, he's going, well, I've kind of worked with loads of actors. I've also directed loads of actors. I'm also a BAFTA-nominated director, you know, and there's me on my first feature and all I've done is (laughs) people in did I'm like, OK. And it's a weird one because you have to go through that thing where you have to go, well, I can't go into this not telling him what to do. He's got to try and listen to me as a director, but I've also got to respect that he really does know what he's doing. So I think you're both sort of finding your feet with each other a little bit there. And he was very gracious and sweet. And I think he cottoned onto that very quickly and he knew what was going on. And actually he said to me, I think I've think 50% of the dialogue that he says in his scene is, is improvised. It's not <laughs> on the page. And I actually said to him when we first went in that, because me and Danny use a lot of improvisation. We, you okay. know, we enjoy using it wherever we can. It's just more fun and, and you get a better sort of, uh, you know, kind of performance, I think, really. And, uh, and I said to Dexter, you know, we like to use improvisation. How do you feel about that? And he was, and he's, I remember him specifically saying, you know, well, Ben, I only do improvisation when it's any good and when it's necessary. And I was like, OK, fine. Well, you know, it's up to you. You play it how you want to. And literally, I couldn't shut him up. I mean, the whole (laughs) scene, he's just banging out line after line. But the thing is, it was brilliant. I mean, it was brilliant. It was just like watching this old pro just having a great laugh with these young actors. And that's the thing I definitely think about comedy and kind of working with actors. As a director, if it's working, you you shouldn't really be directing. You should just be letting it go and facilitating it, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. One of the things I got to ask you about is uh, in independent horror, you don't always see these amazing iconic scenes but the fight scene man brings me back to they live with just this epic (laughs) knockdown brawl between Michael Saka and Kelly Wenham in the film how did that come together did you guys have to train a long time for that or how did you build that scene in the film
6: yeah I mean that was it wasn't in the script so it was kind of Danny I I, yeah it wasn't in the script Danny had, I think he, I can't remember what was there at the time. There was quite a few, you know, iterations of the script and and things changed around a lot but I remember saying at one point to Danny you know K- uh, Kitty and Alex need to have something you know they've, they've been sort of trying to fuck each other you know when it's not happening and maybe they like each other maybe they don't and there's a lot of sexual tension we need to have that release. So it's a cool kind of you know feminist scene or whatever you know it's like let's have a proper proper fight and actually you know I was like trying to go for like at least do it in your underwear or it should just be like this sort of inverted sex scene really crazy and anyway I went to Kelly and said you know uh, who plays Kitty and said that that's what I, I want to do I want you know and I want to make sure that you're you're properly throwing a punch and uh, I I had actually worked with her briefly on a kind of small promo that to raise the funding for this film and I tried to do a scene where she was supposed to lift fake weights and she struggled to do it and I was remember looking at her when we were doing this promo thinking you know if we're going to do this movie for real you're going to have to kind of be for real you're going to have to be able to you know, have muscle and be able to, when I'm asking you to throw punches, you're throwing a genuine proper punch.
1: Sure, to settle the fight, yeah.
6: Yeah, I I mean, look, it's not going to work, otherwise you're going to have to edit your way around it, and you're going to have to try and edit just the little snippets where it works, and you're just not going to get that proper kinetic energy, you're not going to feel it, the audience are going to, you know, they're just going to see that it's not quite true. So... Obviously, for her, she absolutely jumped at it. And I and so we put her through three months of kickbox training. I mean, she put herself through hell because she then went to the gym every day for seven days, you know, did a diet to just kind of like get as much muscle as, you know, showing as possible. I mean, she absolutely went for it. She did an amazing job. I mean, I really think it kind of bust her head in after a while because she was just like, you know, dying for food by the end of it, just like burgers <laughs> and everything because it's just it's, you know, massive training regime that she you know put herself through and then actually the you know trying to shorten the story a little bit what I then did was I wrote out the script and I just sort of wrote sort of six pages and said to Danny can I just put that in the script and I just wrote out the fight exactly how it was and and Matt the producer and Danny were like fine go for it it's all yours and then I took that went to a dojo found two stunt fighters that I could work with and I shot the whole thing with the director of photography just in a dojo and I figured out all the different, basically I storyboarded like a hundred panels, then I did like an animatic to work out just how it was all going to work because I knew it would be the sort of thing that on a low budget feature it's like, you're just going to get there on the day and find that you're going to have to start throwing stuff away because you're running out of time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You have to block it out in advance. Yeah. I see what
6: you're doing. Like make myself as fast as possible. So it's like storyboard it all out, then do an animatic. And then when you get to the day and it worked perfectly, I then went to the crew and I sort of, I showed the whole crew, right? He hits this wall, he swings her over there. I mean essentially I choreographed the whole fight myself, which is more like a, a dance or an argument or a fight, you're blocking it all out. And I know where they're going to move and what they're going to do and why they're doing it. And then I just knew that, that then the the production designer could be like, okay, that wall's got to go, that wall. So they had all these replacement walls, replacement furniture. And he was like, okay, you can smash that one twice, that one three times, that one that. And I'm going, okay, brilliant. And then essentially I was given a 360 room and I kept trying to make Laura always 360 lighting so I could Mm. swing the camera anywhere. And then for two days, we just... They just had a massive fight and just <laughs> smashed the scrum up. But the brilliant thing was that they could look at the animatic all the time and I it made it so quick because I had two cameras running. Right. And they just could look at these guys doing it, going, Oh, I know exactly what I need to do and, and again I didn't in some ways have to direct too much, you know, with you know, what Michael Socker's doing in that fight, where it's all like, Oh you fucking bitch, you know, that, that's just all him. He's just improvising stuff on the top of it. So yeah i mean i have to say when i've watched it in film festivals it's been a real proud moment for me and for danny i think as well because i put so much hard work into it and then i've sat with audiences really look like they're loving it so it's good it's great when stuff like that you know turns out right
1: the film is constructed really well because you have like some more comic beats at the start you have the amazing family scene with danny and then towards the end you have this action scene and then an ending that is completely off the hook. So it, it kind of keeps throwing different punches at the audience, and you never know what quite to expect, which I think is what makes the film work so well.
6: Yeah, that, that's great, man. I mean, I'm, I, it's really nice to hear that, and I think, I think in some ways that's all very intentional, and in other ways some bits are just accidental. You know, It's like you're just trying to entertain yourself all the time. I mean, we took half an hour out of the edit of this film so the first cut I did was one fifty seven. It's now one twenty seven so right, you can yeah. imagine you know, there were 30 minutes worth of backstory about the girls and kind of their past and but we just lost a lot of it because we just wanted to keep the thing you know kind of tight, but at the same time as it's tight, it's quite loose and fun, and you know, and especially the ending, that was very much like a thing where we just said, you know, we've taken everyone so far down the rabbit hole on this now." Or, you know, down the story of these characters that we're going to have to just drop all our weights at the ending and just go, (laughs) all right, right. let's go for it, you know.
0: Absolutely.
1: One last thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, the music in the film is great. Uh, You've got Big Narsty on hand, uh, as well as Goat scoring the film. They're a very enigmatic group. How did you come to work with them?
6: Yeah, I mean, that's basically, long story short, is that there's a band called Teeth of the Sea, and in that band is a guy who does the electronics, is a guy called Mike Bourne. He's a very old, dear friend of mine that I've known for like 25 years. That band are signed to Rocket Recordings, which is who Goat are assigned signed to. Oh, and, I always, yeah, and I always kind of heard of Goat, because they were kind of the big breakout band for that record label. And I loved their music and really enjoyed it, and... I actually find often when I'm working on a project, I start hearing music quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read a script or I'll think of an idea or whatever. And I just literally have be like, I want to hear that song. I want to play that song again. I start thinking about music. And for some reason, it was sort of go and this sort of, you know, imagining these sort of psychedelic kind of this psychedelic music. And it related to kind of horror and the horror of the 70s and kind of these sort of almost sirens kind of psychedelic women kind of bringing these guys in you know it was all this sort of abstract ideas i had in my head and <laughs> yeah that's and kind me- of a cool
1: subtext of the whole thing yeah 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 exactly
6: so you just get a feeling about something you know and it's like yeah it kind of feels like that and and uh, and that that sort of stuff really helps me um sort of understand what i'm trying to do and um because I knew they the owners of the record label. I'd met them quite a few times. And I just said, like, you know, I really want to use Run to Your Mama. Because the, the song in the title sequence, you know, I was like, Run to Your Mama. That's just a perfect track for this film. It's, it's kind of got a bit of comedy in it, but it's kind of cool. And, and asked if I could use it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We can come to some sort of agreement. And then I was like, okay, okay. Um, well, how would you feel about scoring it and then totally, when I'm asking that, going, they're going to blow me out. They didn't they just turn around and went yeah yeah fine we'll give it a go <laughs> No, before that I even said would you would you fancy performing in the film as well yeah yeah you know then the next thing is like would you fancy scoring it and they just always kept saying yes to everything <laughs> i'd never met them this is all over emails so it just kept happening and happening and happening just to say as well then i and that they had appeared in it you know done all this stuff said yes to the music i cut the movie so get this you know like i'm cutting the movie I've done it. You know, we've got a limited amount of post-production time and budget and everything. And then I'm sending them a cut to the film. And I was really just like, I don't know whether they're going to go for this. You know, like, I don't know if this is going to be what they expect. They knew nothing. They'd never read a script, never read anything. So I'm like kind of shaking myself a bit, thinking, well, this is a bit of a fun kind of silly film. And this is Go, which is a bit more of an esoterical kind of, you know, quite cool band. You know, what? they loved it. They, they wrote back and they were like, this is really funny. We're really good laugh. You know, the, 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 the people behind the masks are not what you expect at all. <laughs> and, uh, and I had the most amazing time going out to Sweden. And, and basically they wrote a load of music for the film. Mm-hmm. And I, actually what I did, I just sort of wrote them short stories about like, because we didn't have enough time for them to play to the film and actually sit with the movie and arrange all the music so I had to arrange the music myself and they made me sort of five or six customised Goat songs for the film and they gave me access to all the bass lines and drums and guitars and the piano and everything. And I went through all their stems and rearranged all their stems and mixed in different guitar bits with other drum bits and, and kind of put it all together and put the score to that. And, and it was an amazing process of being given this you know, this band that you love and being being kind of their musical arranger, and going out to Sweden and working with them It's brilliant. Brilliant experience. That
1: is amazing. All right, man. Well, uh, why don't you tell me uh, what you're working on next?
6: Well, we've got quite a few things. I mean, I I've got one screenplay that um, I have got myself, which is totally not a comedy, um, and I've had it running for for a bit of time. So I'm kind of I've just sort of finished the first draft, and I'm kind of starting to present it out now. Okay. And then I've got two scripts. One that Danny's written himself, uh, which is kind of more a comedy drama set in Amsterdam. And then I've got another one that we're looking at, which Danny's initially started writing it, but it looks like I'm going to write with him. Uh, which is, we'll see, it's basically sort of set in a world where ginger people are the kind of minority, and everyone's against ginger people. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to kind of try and play with that idea and, and see if we can make maybe sort of a bit of a an interesting, um, sl- ever so slightly political satire film about kind of where we are now. But who knows? We'll see. They're, they're all sort of being juggled in the air at the moment.
1: All right. Well, one last question, Benjamin. We always like to ask all of our guests here on The Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man?
6: Well, I think currently at the moment, I'd say Brexit, to be honest with you. That's a bit, maybe a bit of a boring answer, but <laughs> it's just, here, if you're in the UK, it's just, you know, you're just, it's just endless, endless amounts of waffle and chat about something that you just kind of feel in the end is sort of completely pointless. And if yeah, if you're in the UK, I'm sure it's like basically, our oh, Brexit is your Trump. You know, it's yes. kind of like, yeah.
1: no, I understand. after a while,
6: yeah. it's like, we're just going to keep talking about this forever and get nowhere and why are we even doing this? And, uh, and so, you know, I'd say that's probably
1: the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Politics right now is uh, quite interesting. I think wherever you are, because, uh, yeah, I, I, I find myself engaged in ways I never have been before and getting angry about things I never have been before. And, uh, it's definitely a different time now.
6: Yeah, I can't tell whether it's a—it's one of those where you can't tell whether it's better or worse. In some ways, we're communicating loads and we're all sharing each other's kind of experiences. And in the other way, it's just like, oh, my God, you've got to shut yourself off from the world, <laughs> haven't you? Because it's just too much.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for joining us on the show and for allowing us to show Double Date at the Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. I think our audience is absolutely going to love it. And uh, I can't wait to spring this on them.
6: Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Benjamin Bartha, I'm uh, the director of Double Date, and you're listening to The Bat Show. I hope you enjoy our film. This was a lot of hard work um, between me and my good friend Danny Morgan. I hope you enjoy.
1: All right, we are back, and once again, that song was Goat's Run to Your Mama, the lead cut from our feature film Double Date. And joining me now on the show, I'm thrilled to have the writer and one of the stars of Double Date, Danny Morgan. How you doing, man?
4: I'm good, Steve. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on your show, and thanks so much for having Double Date as part of the festival, man. We're, really, we're, we're so chuffed. Glad to be chatting to you
1: the pleasure is ours and we're really excited to uh, screen this in front of our audience of rabid horror fans uh, as I understand oh, excellent. it, Double Dates only played one other time in the States so this is some pretty, pretty fertile fresh ground for you here in the Pacific Northwest.
4: Absolutely yeah we we, we played in a little festival uh, called Scream Fest in LA and it went well and we got a couple of really good reviews and I think, yeah, so far the, the feedback from America has been really positive. And I was a bit worried about it because there's some quite British references in there. And one of the main characters, well, the guy who plays my friend, Alex, this actor called Michael Soccer, he's from a part of England called Derby. And to be honest, I was struggling to understand half the shit he was saying. So... <laughs> i was like i mean the americans they're gonna need subtitles but i think he's he's such a great actor even if you don't quite understand some of the stuff he's saying he's just he's just a funny guy so i think it i think it seems to be playing well there and um yeah so being being shown in seattle is just uh it's cool it's a place i've always wanted to visit i haven't got around to it yet but um hopefully soon
1: you know, it's funny that uh, you mentioned that we've played a number of U.K. films over the years at this festival. And I think that, uh-huh. that U.S. audiences just love to hear U.K. accents. Because we've played British films, we played yeah. Irish films, and we love that shit.
4: Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's becoming more of a thing. I think the Americans are becoming more used to English accents and English <laughs> comedy. And uh, I think it just travels a lot better than it used to going back to things like The Office. All those kind of things kind of broke open the uh, comedy barriers between the two countries. and Yeah, I hope it's going to go down well with your audiences. It's it's basically just a really fun film. We're really proud of it.
1: Well, uh, on that note, why don't you give our listeners a little synopsis? What's the film about, Danny?
4: Okay, so the film is I play a 29-year-old virgin called Jim... And his best friend, Alex, who fancies himself as a bit of a playboy, but mm, it's questionable, he decides that tonight he is going to get his best friend laid. And it's on the eve of his 30th birthday. And they just so happen to meet these two beautiful sisters who seem very interested in going out on a double date with the pair of them. And it all seems to be going a bit too well And then you find out that these two sisters might have their own agenda. And this might have been the one night that Jim really should have been scared. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's the basic premise. The whole thing takes place over sort of one crazy night in London and then out in the countryside. And you meet all these characters along the way. But it's just 87 minutes. Uh, We wanted to keep it fast paced and exciting and uh, I won't give away too much but it it gets dark and it gets twisted pretty quickly so uh, yeah that's about it
1: so one of the things I found interesting about the film is that you as the writer you combined a couple of different tropes on the one hand you have the the classic horror trope of somebody perhaps being punished for having sex which goes back all the way to your earliest slashers Then, on the other hand, something that we've noticed just simply through our festival is that there is a trope in British comedy itself of somebody trying to get their mates laid. And sometimes it's zombies, sometimes it's werewolves. In this case, it's perhaps serial killers. But there's two kind of different tropes that you've melded together in this. Were you conscious of that when you were writing it?
4: Yeah, to a certain extent. You know, it sort of came from a... Just an anxiety that I had, especially in my 20s around uh, dating and just talking to women in any capacity, was something that gave me a lot of anxiety and fear. And it was um, so when I came around to writing something, that subject just seemed like something I wanted to explore and investigate. Why does that scare me? Um, and then I had the idea of, well, what if you had this guy who was terrified of talking to women, and then on the one night that he gets over that fear is the one night that he really should be afraid. <laughs> and so I, I, I like that idea. So that sort of came naturally. Um, but yeah, I know I was aware that we were playing with, like you say, kind of horror tropes that have been used before. Um, so what was important to us is that we knew the story even though it feels familiar we knew we had to do something different with it we didn't just want it to be another sort of blokey laddie two guys trying to get laid and the two girls were just these stock psycho killers with no personality and no heart and soul it was always important to me that the two female characters felt rounded and three-dimensional and had their own backstory and not that you ever really sympathise with them or empathise with them fully, but you you kind of at least you understand where they're coming from. And um, so yeah, it was just important to me that even though we were playing with horror tropes, that we'd put our own twist on it and we did something new with it. And um, yeah, I feel like we I feel like we just about put it. Up. Also, I grew up with two older sisters, <laughs> and if I made if I made a film with two terrible female characters they would have kicked my ass so that was (laughs) that was a pressure I felt you know from the start was making sure that these sisters were interesting and it wasn't just about these two guys it was about all four of them really
1: yeah I think you very much accomplished what you set out to do I think that that comes across oh cool Oh, you know, speaking of the heart and soul of the picture uh, did you always intend to portray Jim or did it just kind of work out that way as you went into pr- production
4: no yeah no, I, I was always going to play Jim basically part of the reason for that I wrote this script it was the first feature script that I tried to write and um, one of the main reasons I did it was because I was, I'm an actor really like that's what I've been doing my whole life um, but I wasn't I would never be go up for the lead role, you know, the lead guy or the guy who gets the girl or anything like that. So I thought, well, screw it. I'll just write myself the lead role in something and I'll describe myself in the script.
0: <laughs>
4: so it's it literally said, Jim is six foot one, ginger, you know, overweight. <laughs> and I just thought, well, I'm going to make sure that nobody's taking this role away from me Um <laughs> So, yeah, no, that was always a big, big thing for me, that I was playing Jim.
1: There's a scene where Jim takes Lulu to meet his parents, and it is one of the... (laughs) It's this quirky, weird, sweet, wonderful scene that I think really, if a viewer is not fully invested in the characters by that point, they immediately are. And you did a wonderful job both Uh in writing that scene and in acting it that I I think it really touches the audience and brings them into the film.
4: Oh, that's nice to hear, man. Thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the scene where you're either going to um, fall in love with Jim and Lulu uh, or you're not, I think. It's also the kind of litmus test. If you're enjoying the film, that scene is the real... um, test because it's very like you say it is quite sweet but it's also very weird and surreal and it's uh, it kind of um <laughs> sticks out in the film a bit as as just a really strange scene and so i think if you find that scene funny it's a it's a good sign that you're probably going to enjoy the rest of the film
1: the interesting thing is yeah, that cool when on. you're dealing with your family, often it is weird and surreal because you have little inside jokes and traditions that you've had with your family. <laughs> and, to, and to any outsider, any sort of a situation like that, like a fam- family gathering, does come off as a little yeah. bit odd. And so you captured that wonderfully. <laughs>
4: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's very true. And also, yeah, the part you're exactly right. Part of that, the reason for that scene was that Jim has to take... This girl who is essentially, and this is not a spoiler because we kind of, you find this out straight away. This girl who is a serial killer, he takes her to meet his parents, and he's the one who's embarrassed because he thinks that she thinks his family <laughs> might be weird, right. where she comes from the weirdest family ever. <laughs> so I thought there was just something really fun to play with there his embarrassment about his family's little quirks when he doesn't realize just how crazy this guy
1: is right well that's and one of the things that i liked about the film as well is that again you start out with some comedic beats you have this wonderful sort of family scene you have an amazing knockdown drag out fight which we discussed with benjamin and then the ending is just completely off the hook as you put it dark and twisted our our audience is not going to be quite prepared for where this film goes i like that a lot (laughs)
4: yeah well that's good to hear i hope so The whole idea behind the third act was,
1: look, we're a little film,
4: and we want to make a splash. We want to make sure that people walk out and they're just shocked. They don't know what's just happened. (laughs) At at least we want them to remember this film. So we thought, well, let's just take a right turn in the third act and just go absolutely nuts and just make this big, crazy um, ending. And just go out with a bang, really. Because I think when you're a small, sort of independent film, you just want to do anything you can to stand out. That's the plan, and hopefully we've earned the right by that point to take the audience wherever we want to go with them. Watching those last few scenes with an audience has just been one of the most amazing things ever for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been
4: been getting a really, really good response. Yeah, people have been really enjoying it. Uh, So I I hope it goes down well over there, too
1: we're uh, closing the entire fest with this film and uh, our oh, audience will have had really? a few beers before so I think it's going to be the, mm. the the perfect setup for some double date magic
4: brilliant that's the perfect amount of beers to have for this film <laughs> three beers it's like a three beer film and you'll just have a blast
1: <laughs> what is that that, that joke from uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie's Strange Brew it's uh, filmed in 3B three beers and it looks great eh
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right man. and, the, and the, the festivals that we've been going to you know some of them the ones that have been going down the best are the ones in the night or you know nighttime people have had a couple of drinks and just get behind it and just have fun and that's the best way to enjoy the film i think
1: absolutely well danny what are you working on next man
4: So um, the great thing about this film is that it's kind of kick-started my writing career, and people are interested in my writing now. So I'm writing, I've got a few projects on development, um, but the same team who did Double Date, so me, Ben Barfoot, the director, and our producer, Matt Wilkinson. Mm
0: -hmm.
4: The three of us are developing another film at the moment that might be a kind of action comedy on a bigger scale and it might be something to do with ginger hair. <laughs> might be about uh, two gingers on the run. Um, but yeah, I can't give too much away. But it, yeah, we're definitely developing a couple of things because we, we loved working together and um, it's just seemed, you know, this was the first thing we made and it's getting a really good response. So we just want to keep going really.
1: Fantastic. Well, Danny, one question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man?
4: Hmm. What pisses me off? Um, this is a controversial one, but I'm going to go with superhero films.
7: <laughs> okay.
4: I mean, there's lots of things, but I, the thing that's just pissing me off at the moment is the superhero films. And every time I get sucked back in, I tell myself I'm not going to watch another one of these fucking... Marvel films because they just drive me insane because they're the, it just feels like the same film over and over again and then I get sucked in people go oh no this one's different this one's different and I just get sucked in again and again and it's just um, yeah it just uh, it, it winds me up because uh, you know I just feel like there's so much money being pumped into these things and I know obviously it's just not for me
0: Right.
4: Uh, so I know it's not a Great answer, sorry, but at the moment, that's the thing that's pissed me up. I'm I'm sure tomorrow will be something different.
1: You know, though, uh, as you've mentioned, they're pumping a lot of money into these films, and you don't see really too many ginger superhero films. So perhaps you should write Uh, yourself into one, Danny.
4: You know what, Steve? That's a brilliant (laughs) idea. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to write myself a ginger superhero. Right. we got the ginger just, action uh,
1: movie coming, and then we follow that up with the ginger <laughs> superhero movie. It's going to be great.
3: Well,
4: it's true. <laughs> the whole reason Double Date exists is because I wanted to be the lead in a horror film, so like, I'm going to start writing myself the ginger superhero film now.
1: That's right. I see no reason not to keep this rolling.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for joining us on the Bone Bass Show and for being a part of this year's film festival. We're absolutely thrilled, and it means a lot for us to be able to show your film here in Seattle.
4: Oh, no worries, man. Thank you so much for having us, and I really hope everyone enjoys it. And, uh, yeah, let me know how it goes down. I'm really intrigued. Danny Morgan from Double Date. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Enjoy.
1: All right. Once again, that was Inside the House by William Mitchell from the short Inside the House, directed by Jennifer Bonior and Dicey Wildman, which you can see on the big screen at the Eighth Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. In between there, of course, tons of interviews. I hope you were enjoying our time with Lowell Dean. Devilwood the band Danny Morgan and Benjamin Barfoot again thank you all for joining us on the show our listeners may not
2: realize this but I, I am also on this show tonight
1: you are welcome back hey thanks got any uh, multimedia triage this week
2: a little bit a little tiny bit on April Fool's Day I watched Netflix and what to my wondering eyes should appear but a brief Seth Rogen film, a Netflix April Fool's Day prank, and it was quite funny. It was about uh, Netflix acquiring the rights to Seth Rogen, everything, the, the his body and soul, and the entirety of his work going forward. And really, it was essentially a horror comedy. It it made me laugh. It was it was delightful. So I assuming that still something you can see on netflix somewhere it's it's worth the eight minutes of your time or whatever to uh to check that out
1: pretty funny stuff Uh, So bummed i missed it i like scrolled past it on facebook and i saw and i just thought it was like a jokey news article i didn't realize it was a video
2: yeah yeah same here had i not been on netflix that evening i would have totally missed it as well so that's why i'm here for our listeners to tell them where to point their ear holes their eye holes all of your holes Right there, right at Seth Rogen. He'd appreciate it.
1: You know, speaking of internet stuff uh, that's a lot of fun, uh, I have been digging on a little show called Two Minutes to Late Night that is this insane death metal late night show hosted by Guarcinio Hall. <laughs> and <laughs> the... Uh, the their house band is Mutoid Man, which is a band that I've really been digging on lately, and it's ridiculous, over the top, crazy, fun, drunken, heavy metal nonsense. Totally dig the show. They did like an episode two years ago and another episode, and then they did a uh, some sort of crowdfunding, and so they just released the first episode of the first full season. And I posted something about it, and uh, of course Z from Hipster Please was on that shit, so you know it's good. So check out Two Minutes to Late Night. Really fun.
2: Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, You know, I watched, uh, just being of internet-y things, I watched a terrible movie that was absolutely fun. It's from the Rooster Teeth people. It came out years ago. It's not even brand new or anything, but it's called Laser Team. L-A-Z-E-R. You've seen it? My daughter loves
1: it. She, like, went and saw it at the theater and then brought the DVD and brought it home and showed it to us. Yeah, she was all over this a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely not a new thing, but it does tie into our film festival because none other than Kirk C. Johnson has a role in this. You may recognize him from films such as Death Metal and (laughs) Bad Guy Number 2 and the upcoming film, I summoned a demon, which you can see at our film festival.
1: That's right. I forgot that was the same dude. Oh, that's too funny.
2: Yeah, he's he's got like this, you know, minor role in that movie.
1: That but totally makes in. sense. Rooster Teeth is from Texas, right? I'd forgotten about that.
2: No idea where they're
1: from. I think they are. Huh. That's too funny. Nice connection, man. Why, thank you. And then
2: both of us, we went to an actual theater, not together, of course, I saw Ready Player One. We did. Now, I read the book. Both my teenage sons have read the book.
1: Same here. Uh, I read the wow. book, my wife read the book, and my son read the book. One year we bought him a loot crate for Christmas, and Ready Player One was in it, the, and then we ended up passing the book around the house.
2: Wow. I thought the movie was delightful. I thought it was an absolute blast.
1: I thought you were going to hate it.
2: I, You know, I knew you thought that I was going <laughs> to hate it, <laughs> but I didn't. I liked it because it wasn't shitty. <laughs> like Black Panther.
1: <laughs> I thought it was totally fun. I enjoyed the crazy action. I enjoyed all of the reference watching. That one of the most fun things is just looking at all the little spaceships hiding in the corner and the characters and armor you've seen before and just all that fun stuff that's sort of wrapped up in it.
2: And it's I really infe- wish the movie would... Would have had a pause button, though, so I could, like, pause the scenes and look for all the stuff.
1: Well, I think that's the idea, is for you to come and watch it again at some point. Oh, they're going to you... have a pause button in the future? Yes, yeah, so in the future. That's what oh, all awesome. of life will have in the future is a pause button.
2: <laughs> I really like the Iron Giant fighting Mecha Godzilla. I mean,
1: <laughs> how than, badass was that? Better than Ultraman, though. Yes. Ultraman would have been better than Iron Giant. I'm sorry. You're no. Like, yes. Ultraman is
2: the shit. The yeah, I shit. know you like Ultraman. Yes. Ultraman really is not very fun it if you watch it as a grown-up. It
1: sense. Iron Giant can't run out of energy and have to fly to the sun to recharge. It doesn't make a lick of <laughs> fucking sense.
2: Look, Godzilla Japanese, Ultraman Japanese, it goes together too well. But, I love the fact that it's totally different.
1: The Gundam <laughs> though was awesome.
2: Yeah, that was really quite cool
1: yeah so i hope we're not giving away too much but
2: oh god do you
1: think people know <laughs> didn't know that those things are in the movie it's a super fun movie speaking of super fun movies dude we saw isle of dogs this weekend as well
2: oh i can't wait to see that
1: well i know you had been uh praising the fantastic mr fox by wes anderson just a ton on the show and I had never actually yeah. seen it, and so we, I picked it up on the last Criterion sale, and uh, Julie and I went and saw Isle of Dogs and then watched Fantastic Mr. Fox right after. Oh, wow.
2: So you had your Wes Anderson stop-motion animation overload. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Was- I haven't
2: watched it yet. I, I'm so excited about watching this movie, even though I might not be able to watch it till after the film fest. The the previews alone make me so happy. Is it good?
1: Yeah, it's delightful. The animation oh, is good. great. The writing is really clever and the cast is amazing.
2: And
1: As always. Yeah, no, it's there's nothing not to love. Uh, we both were talking about it. I think that we prefer Isle of Dogs to Fantastic Mr. Fox actually. Okay. So I think you're I in for a, a real treat. I can see that happening. And it we looks, saw it, it in the very same theater. That our festival is going to be in. Oh, nice. So we've warmed it up for you, people.
2: The Hollywood Bowl. Oh, not (laughs) our film fest this year. I got it. Yes. Not eventually. Oh, let's see. What else? Not really a hell heck of a lot, man. I have not had time. You you know, I would be watching Legion, but, you know.
1: (laughs) You'll watch it eventually. Well, there is a... I
2: suppose eventually I watched the first episode of Jessica Jones and I, you know I, I guess I'll watch more of that but it didn't change my life
1: I haven't gotten to that yet uh, we did watch the alienist which is uh, of course based on the Caleb Carr novel of the same name uh, I thought that was pretty good that just wrapped up kind of creepy early serial killer sort of stuff but uh, yeah really well done and then uh, now we just started watching the terror which is based on the Dan Simmons novel. Are you watching that?
2: Oh, I thought it was based on the character from the Tick cartoon. No. Oh, not no, f- I'm not. not. Is that f- good?
1: Yeah, I think it's great. It's, it's I'm cold. confused about
2: what it is, actually.
1: So there were these two science vessels that go to the South Pole back in the day. And I, I understand it's based on a true story. The two ships are called the Erebus and the Terror, and they get frozen in the ice. And, uh, let's see, monsters, cannibalism, possible supernatural freakiness, and uh, general human madness all ensue. Monsters,
2: you say? Nice.
1: So, uh, it's definitely worth your time if you like horror. The uh, novel I have around here somewhere, I've never gotten around to reading it, but uh, people I know uh, talk about it very highly, so I think it's uh, probably worth checking out. The TV show definitely is
2: cool. What, uh, what channel is it on?
1: AMC, I believe.
2: Okay. It's on a decent network then.
1: And that's all I've got.
2: Really? That's plenty.
1: (laughs) That's more than enough. All right, man. Well, uh, why don't we wrap things up? Let's do it.
0: Uh, Let's let's say thank you.
1: All right. Once again, I would like to thank Lowell Dean from another wolf cop, uh, as well as vortex pictures for allowing us to feature another wolf cop at this year's bone bat film festival. I'd like to thank Danny Morgan, Benjamin Barfoot, and the fine folks at Film Constellation for making Double Date happen and allowing us to feature that in its Seattle premiere at the festival. Once again, both of these are Seattle premieres. I think uh, we're still batting a thousand, right? With uh, the first time you see these features, they're on a big screen in Seattle. They're being played at Bone Bat, which is pretty cool. It's a good streak to have. Yeah. Much better than
2: that streak I did around that lake up there. That got weird.
1: I'm far less proud of that than I am of the films. (laughs) (laughs) Also, of course, we'd like to thank Devilwood for uh, joining us on the show and for uh, joining us in a, what, like a week? Yeah. At the festival to play some live music and uh, add a touch of class to the proceedings. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Once again, tickets are $40. You can get them through BoneBat.com. Also, of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the 2018 BoneBat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest, Starting with Scarecrow Video. We love those guys. Fantagraphic Books. Corner Comics. Mac and Jack's Brewery. Delicious.
2: Zippy's Giant Burgers. Also delicious.
1: Stalker Farms.
2: Not so delicious. Very scary. Yeah, but not do yeah, do not put that in your mouth. Take that out of your mouth right now. <laughs> Vortex video.
1: Vortex video. Always awesome and street books from Austin, Texas.
2: And the incomparable Pork magazine.
1: Once again, super proud to have Pork as a sponsor. You guys are going to have some awesome reading in your swag bags this year. Very cool. Indeed. And thanks to Pathfinder From Paizo. And Belladonna Magazine. The Horror Honeys, always amazing supporters of this fest. And uh, we love seeing their magazine. Dolcetta Artisan Sweets. We have uh, two different kinds of chocolate this year. Cookies and cream and pretzel. So look for that in your swag bag. Yum.
2: Artist Chocolate, locally made by a local chocolatier. I'm talking local to Seattle, not down here in California. And of course, more fine food from your neck of the woods, flying saucer pizza.
1: And of course, GT printing equipment.
2: Yeah, but those no guys.
1: Without
2: them. Mm-mm.
1: Home of the Home Jet.
2: <laughs> and pressh2o.com for all of your fountain solution needs. And finally, of course,
1: Jerry. Cool star of another wolf cop <laughs> <laughs> best supporting victim
2: in another wolf cop all right
1: our usual bullshit you can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com we have new content on bonehand.com every once in a while it's also the home of the heavy half hour
2: and you can find my stuff such as it is is such as it ain't Mightywombat.com. you can find me on facebook as well spouting off there we've got a facebook page for the bone bat show
1: i heard a filthy rumor that you were cartooning again
2: i i was cartooning and then this week happened and it was all film festy stuff but i i swear to god I'm, I'm back at it i'm i'm drawing silly pictures and uh I draw some pretty cool T-shirts for people too. So you know, you got uh, you you want to hire a guy to make you a cool T-shirt design? I'm the guy. I'll stop cartooning just for you and make you a cool ass shirt.
1: You want to hire a guy to make a shirt? His name's Mike Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, yes. You want to
2: hire a better guy? Well, then talk to Mike because that guy kicks his shit out of everything I do. However, if he's busy, you can hire me.
1: You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there, or we have a Bonebat Twitter feed as well which is where you can find our daily trailer of the day, as well as on our Facebook event page. So keep. Wait, it's a daily trailer of the day? Daily trailer every single day between now and the fest. I'm choosing, hand-picking a selection from this year's festival. It's good stuff. You ought to check it out. You know, I know some people who are fans of this festival who refuse to watch any of the trailers. They say they don't want to be spoiled.
2: I'm... You know, I'm kind of like that myself. I, I prefer, if I made the commitment to take it in, I'm just going to watch it and absorb it without any trailers giving anything
1: away. Thank you, of course, for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. It's only seven days away from the Bone Bat Film Festival, so get your tickets now at bonebat.com. Finally got one last tune for you. This is a song by Whitney Starr taken from the short... Seven Minutes, directed by Katie White. I hope you dig it. This is called Call the Cops. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord.
2: Have a good one. I do have a good one.
7: It's so damn hot. I brought it, mama told me I should come. Hot, hot, everybody, take it off and let it naughty. Yeah, I got it, bitch, I brought it, mama told me Show me what you got. Now we're gonna get it on the floor, honey, cause we
2: as much of an ass <laughs>
1: yeah, you do you-